Good evening, everyone. Once again, it's good to be here. Good to be together. Turn, if you would, to Colossians chapter 1. Continuing our journey through Colossians. First chapter. It's been marvelous so far. Tonight we come to a verse which once again speaks of the preeminence of Christ, the supremacy of Christ, magnifies our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 18 will be at tonight. In the name of the message is Christ, the head of the church. Christ, the head of the church. Now throughout this study, we've seen Paul combating the error of Gnostic teachers by exalting the supremacy and the preeminence of Christ by putting him at the forefront. Now, gospel preaching, this is what should be done. Christ should always be at the forefront. Christ should always receive the preeminence. And that's what true gospel preaching is, is preaching Christ and him crucified, exalting him to his rightful place as sovereign King and Lord. Now we'll be looking at verse 18. It says, And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence. And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence. Now in verse 16, we saw where Paul was showing us that Christ is supreme or preeminent over creation and over everything in the universe, both visible and invisible. Look at verse 16. For by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him. So he's supreme. He's supreme and he's preeminent over all of creation, over it all. And look at verse 17, and it says, and, and he is before all things. He's before everything. He's king. He's sovereign. And by him all things consist. Every one of us here breathe because the Lord Jesus Christ gives us breath to breathe. It's incredible. It's amazing. And so verse 17 shows that he's preeminent over all things, and that by him all things consist. So we see him preeminent over creation in verse 16. Then we see him preeminent over everything. Everything. And, and the fact that all things by him consist. So he is preeminent over creation. And then in our verse here, in verse 18, we see that he's preeminent over the church. He's supreme in the church. And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence. He must have the preeminence. Again, Paul once again is combating the Gnostic error. And he's combating the error that God is, is not a far off being in verse 17 who spun everything into existence and just left it all alone. Our God's not like that. He watches over everything. Scripture says not even a sparrow, not even one of them little birds that land in a tree, not even one of them fall to the ground without him knowing. That's a God who watches all and watches over all. And think of this, the very one who, who, who feeds the sparrows and takes care of every one of his church 
takes care. We are secure in Christ. We are secure in Him. So now tonight we come to another verse which exalts the preeminence of the Lord Jesus Christ and shows us that He is supreme over all things in the church. In the church. Paul, as I said, has declared the preeminence and glory of Christ in regards to creation. And now he proclaims the preeminence and glory of Christ in the church. In the church. And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence. So our Lord Jesus Christ is the root, the foundation, the foundation, the cause of the church. There'd be no there would be no church without Christ. We're chosen in him. See Everything centers again. Again, the spokes all go to Christ. He's the hub. He's the, he's the center. This book is about Christ. It's about Jesus Christ. From, the, from Genesis all the way to Revelation, it's all about Him. It's about Him. He has the preeminence in this book. He, he has the preeminence in the church. We're chosen in Him. We don't choose Christ on our own. We're chosen in Him before the foundation of the world. From Him all spiritual life flows to the church. Notice the verbiage here too. And He is the head. There's no doubt. He is. The verbiage is He is. It's not up for debate whether or not Christ is the head of the church. Now there's preachers who think that they're the head of the church and they're not. They're not. You've got false preachers out there too that think that they are all that in a cup of, ki- cup of tea and, and, and they're not. They're nothing. Christ is preeminent in God's church. In grace churches, He is the one we speak of. He is the one we come here every Sunday to worship Christ. We just get the blessings of being together <laughs> and enjoying sweet fellowship with one another. But we come here to hear about Christ. We come here to to sing about Christ. To give Him all the glory. To give Him all the honor. He is the head of the body. There's no doubt. It's not up for debate. And this speaks of His headship. Remember, we all fell in Adam, right? In Adam we fell. He was our federal head. We fell in Him. We have no head now. Oh, in Christ we have... We have the one who we are made alive in. And he is the supreme head. Supreme head. The Lord Jesus Christ. Now look at this. These two little words here. And he is, right? And then the head of the body. This destroys the papacy. This destroys Catholicism. Which exalts the Pope to the place where he is head of the church supposedly. No. There is only one head of the church. Turn with me if you would to 1 Timothy chapter 6. This is a death blow to the Pope and a death blow to the papacy. There is only one potentate and it's not the man in Rome. It's the Lord of glory, the Lord Jesus Christ. Look at 1 Timothy chapter 6 verses 13 to 16. I give thee charge in the sight of God who quickeneth all things and before Christ Jesus, who before Pontius Pilate witnessed the good confession. Verse 14, That thou keep this commandment without spot, unrebukable, until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ, 
which in his times he will show who is the blessed and only potentate. There's only one. The King of Kings. The King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Who hath immortality. Christ hath immortality. Dwelling in the light which no man can approach unto, whom no man hath seen nor can see, to whom be honor and power everlasting. So these verses here absolutely show us that 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 Catholicism is is a false religion. Now that's a hard thing for people to swallow that are in it, but it's true. My 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 family are in it still. I pray for them all the time. I pray for them all the time. But he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence. Now look at where it says the church. The Greek word for church is ekklesia. It means a called out assembly. We are a called out. Those of us who believe are a called out assembly. We're called out of the world. We're called out of the world. We're a called out assembly. And he is the head of that, that group. He is the head of that people. Otherwise known as the elect in Scripture. The elect of God. God's people are called out of the world by the Holy Spirit of God. Remember where you were before the Lord saved you? The Lord called you out of that, didn't He? It's incredible. It's amazing. We didn't want to come out of it on our own, but He called us out of it. And we ran. We ran to Christ. God's people are called out of the world by the Holy Spirit of God with an effectual, irresistible, invincible calling. When God, this is why we can have confidence when we preach the gospel that if, that if God's going to save a sheep or save one of his sheep, he's going to get them. We're on the trail of God's sheep. That's why we put the messages out. We're on the trail of God's sheep. We pray God, God the Holy Spirit would, would, would make, make people willing when they hear the message. But God's people are called out with an effectual calling, regenerated and born again by the Holy Spirit of God. They are a called out assembly. They're given a new heart. And that heart hungers and thirsts after Christ. It hungers and thirsts after righteousness. They believe on the called out assembly, the ecclesia, the church. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the head. And in Him... They have a vital union. A vital union with Him. With Him. And He becomes their everything. He becomes their everything. Oh, and just like a body needs a head, or else it's a corpse, the church needs a head. And that's the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the head of the body, the church, the ecclesia, the called out assembly. Now from eternity it was determined by our Heavenly Father that all things, that in all things, Jesus Christ would have the preeminence. And that's evident right here in verse 18. And He is the head of the body. He's the preeminent one. The church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things He might have the preeminence. The Lord Jesus Christ is preeminent in rank and He's preeminent in power, beloved. 
He's preeminent. He's supreme. Another word for preeminent, you could say he's supreme. He's the supreme Lord. He's the God. And he is supreme in rank and power. And he is the only one who receives all the preeminence. Not the preacher, not the teacher, not the church, because he purchased us with his own precious blood. He purchased us. And every one of us, preacher, teacher, saint, we're all saints of God, we're all purchased by the same blood. The Lord Jesus Christ. It's His blood that shed us. So therefore, or that, that was shed for our, for our salvation. Therefore, He gets all the preeminence. He gets it all. He is preeminent in power and rank. He's the one we are to look at. He's the one we are to worship. He's the one who has redeemed the church with His own blood. He is supreme. Supreme. He's the head. The the head of the body. The church. And he gets all the glory and all the honor and all the praise. So Paul here is speaking of the one who is sovereign over all the church. The one who is sovereign over all creation. And the one who is sovereign over everything. And he is the head of the church. God incarnate in the flesh. Our text in verse 18 tells us that Christ is the head of the church. Turn, if you would, to Ephesians chapter 5. Christ is the head of the, head of the church. The body. Every one of us have a body which is preeminent or, or, or a head which is preeminent over a body. Every one of us. Now the church here is the whole body of believers in in verse 18. The whole body of believers, all the elect of all the ages, all who were chosen in Christ before the foundation of the world. And in Ephesians it's the same. For the husband is the head of the wife, verse 23 of chapter 5 even as Christ is the head of the church. And He is the Savior of the body. He's the Savior of the body. His blood was shed for the, for the sins of His people. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own, husband, their own husbands and everything. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave Himself for it that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word. But look at, for the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Christ, again, is the head of the church. And then look at verse 27 of Ephesians 5, that he might present it to himself a glorious church. Now, we're talking about sinners here, right? Not having spot. No spot or wrinkle, or any such thing, but that it should be holy. No, beloved sinner, sinners that we are, let this just sink in, we who are redeemed by the precious blood of Christ, holy and without blemish. Pure, spotless in the eyes of God. Christ Jesus our Lord is sovereign. He is the sovereign ruling authority over the church. 
as well as the source from which we, His body, derive all spiritual strength and power. All spiritual strength and power comes from Christ. We, don't, we can't muster any of that up ourselves at all. It all comes from Him. And remember too, this church is, is God's church. This church is His church. I have the privilege of, of pastoring and leading, but this is the Lord's church. And we are the Lord's people. He's the head. We're the body. We're the body. And He exercises sovereign control over the church. And we are ever and always dependent upon His abiding influence and presence. If the Lord's not here, oh my, we pray that that God the Holy Spirit be present with us every time we meet. Every time we meet. Oh, and remember this too. The Lord Jesus Christ is the representative head, head of the church from all eternity and all time. We're chosen in Him. And the Lord Jesus Christ is the political head in the fact that He rules and reigns over this whole universe and everything. Everybody is susceptible or, or, or is underneath Him. Underneath Him. And now think of this too. He's the economical head too in the sense that He provides every need. Every need. I was thinking that as we were eating tonight and we went over and got one of them pot pies from Vinker. They're so good. But I was thinking, you know, here it is, we got this pot pie and I'm, I'm eating it and I'm thinking, someone picked them potatoes, right? delivered them to the store, they, someone peeled them, got them all together, put it, put it all together, and God by His providence had all that done so it would be right there on my table. He provides for His people. It's incredible. It's amazing. Turn, if you would, to 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 30. Everything the believer, fought, believer needs is found in Christ Jesus our Lord. There is a vital union between Christ and the body. A vital union. He's the head and we're the body. Without Christ, we would be as dead as a body without a head. Look at this in 1 Corinthians 1.30. But of Him are ye in Christ Jesus, who of God has made unto us wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. So without Christ, we'd have no wisdom. Without Christ, we'd have no righteousness. Without Christ, we'd have no sanctification. And without Christ, we'd have no redemption. But praise be to God, in Christ we have all that and more. Much, much more. In Him we have life. In Him we have redemption. In Him we have hope. In Him we trust. In Him we rest. In Him we have forgiveness of all our sins. In Him we live and move and have our being. In Him we have eternal life. All in Christ. And much, much more. Acts 17.28 says, For in Him we live and move and have our being. Now, just as the body 
Our bodies are physically subject to our head. So the church is subject to Christ. We're subject to Christ. We are all under we are all under our head at, at all times as a body. Christ rules over all his church. And I'm talking I'm not just talking the local church, I'm talking the church universal too. Oh, he is the sovereign one. He is the sovereign over the body, the preeminent one. And do we not just marvel in this wonderful truth? The church of God, both universal and local, have a total dependence upon Christ. We are totally dependent upon our King. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. Not just when we're here either. But when we're at home. We are a hundred percent dependent upon Christ at all times. At all times. For our daily life. If a body does not have a head, if you take a head off a body, it cannot survive. It cannot survive. We are absolutely dependent upon Christ. Absolutely dependent upon Him. We're dependent upon Him as a church for His care and His direction. He must lead us or we wander all over the place. (laughs) Oh my. And this is why it's vital for, for, for we as a church body and for the church universal to keep Christ preeminent, to keep Him preeminent, to keep looking to Him, because He is the head, and He's the head of the body, the church. Now, there's many members that are placed into the Lord Jesus Christ by the regenerating power of the Holy Spirit. Every one of us here are different, personality-wise. But we who believe, we who are believers, are one in Christ. But yet we each are individuals with different personalities. Oh, there's many members that are placed in, into the body. And placed there by the regenerating power of the Holy Spirit. We don't place ourselves in there. You must be born again. He must do a work in us. So there are many members. Turn, if you would, to Ephesians chapter 1. Many members. But He is the head over all things to the church, which is the body. He is the fullness. Look at Ephesians 1, verses 22 and 23. And hath put all things under His feet and give Him to be the head over all things to the church, which is His body, the fullness of Him that filleth all in all. Now think of this. The head commands, right? And the body obeys. The head commands and the body obeys. We tell Our brain, and it does it so fast, tells us to pick something up and we pick it up. The member picks it up because the head is telling them to do that. Any action that we do, our brain is telling it to do it. So, like I say, we, don't even, we do things without even thinking in a sense, right? But your brain's working and sometimes we don't even think about it. Oh, the head commands and the body obeys. So it is in the church. Christ is the head of the church. He commands and we obey. Whatever He, whatever he commands. 
And again, the body, now think of this, our body is made up of many members, right? We have fingers and toes and arms and legs. We have, it, it's incredible. But each, each of these members, I was talking to Matt about this, he really helped me a lot with this, and he said that, that uh, each, uh, each of our, our members are connected to our nervous system. They have a direct nerve contact with the brain. So in the church, we may differ in our function and in our calling, but we have a direct connection to the head. <laughs> to the head. Think of this. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace. That's where our head sits. On the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. The one who sits upon the throne of grace is the Lord Jesus Christ, who is the head of the church. Now again, as I said earlier, our body cannot live without a head. It can't live without a head. You can lose limbs. You can lose your arms. You can lose toes. You can even lose sight. You can lose senses. But if the head's gone, it's over. It's over. The brain or head controls everything in the body. And it's all connected with nerves that run through the body. Matt helped me again with this. The brain's connected to the spinal cord. Down it goes. And all these nerves come out from on there. All different portions of the body. And it goes through. All goes through our body. It's incredible how intricately made we are. It's absolutely amazing. And the head sends... The head, or brain, sends commands and the limbs and members obey those commands. What a picture. <laughs> what a picture. Now Matt mentioned something that I didn't know about. The brain sends signals, right? But you know the members also send signals back? Through the nerves? That's why we get pain. We touch something hot. Take your hand off it. I had no idea about that. So it's a two-way. It's a two. Turn, if you would, to Acts chapter nine. It's a two-way. The head or brain sends commands, and the limbs or members obey those commands. But the nerves will send back a signal when we touch something such as you burn your hand or something's hot or cold or something causes pain, send signals right back to the head. So signals go out from the brain and signals go back to the brain, the head, which controls everything. Now think on this as we read here in Acts chapter 9. And I know we looked at this Sunday, but this is totally ties in with what we're looking at here. In Saul, verse 1, yet breathing out threatenings and slaughter against the disciples of the Lord, went unto the high priest and desired of him letters to Damascus, to the synagogues, that if he found any of this way, whether they were men or women, he might bring them bound unto Jerusalem. And as he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly there shined round about, round about him a light from heaven. Now remember, remember the head and the members, right? Christ is the head of the church, right? And we're members. Remember the nerves, too. The command goes out, 
signals come back too. And he fell to the earth and heard a voice saying unto them, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? Saul again is persecuting Christians, isn't he? Members of the body. Members of He's the head, and we're the body. Saul's persecuting the body. Signal's going right back to the head, isn't it? And he's, think of this, when our hand, when we hurt our hand, our brain lets us know we're in pain, doesn't it? Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And he said, Who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. He's persecuting Christ. How? By persecuting the members of the body. He's the head, and we're the body. Is it hard for thee to kick against the pricks? And he, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? And the Lord said unto him, Arise and go into the city. And it shall be told thee what thou must do. And he and the and the man which journeyed with him stood speechless, hearing a voice, but seeing no man. Look at that verse four, though. Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? The union between the body of Christ and the head, who is Christ. When Christians are being persecuted, Christ is being persecuted. What an amazing union between the body and the head. Back to our text, it says, and he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence. Now here, Christ is the beginning. He's the root, the foundation, the cause of the church. We're chosen in Christ in all our spiritual life. All spiritual blessings. Everything comes in and through Christ. Nowhere else. Do you see how we're just receivers? Do you see how this is all pure grace? It's 100% grace and mercy. Because we're undeserving. We don't deserve any of this. But yet God bestows mercy upon His people. The body. The body. The head takes care of the body. Takes care of the body. Adam was in Eve, and so the church is from Christ. As I said, Christ is the head of the church. He's our, he's our life. He's our strength. He's its power. And it's, it's to Him that we're united. And he is the ruling, guiding, sustaining power of the church. Both universal and both local. It's both. The only reason we're here tonight is because God is, it's by God's sovereign decree for a church to be in Almont, Michigan. He chose to place his name here. And if you're a believer, he chose to place his name with you. It's incredible. Absolutely amazing. And he is the preeminent one. 
Look, it says, the firstborn from the dead. The Lord Jesus Christ rose for our justification. He was the first to rise from the dead by His own power to immortality in life. And because He lives, we live. And we will live when we die. I remember reading a book, It's Not Death to Die. It was all about a famous missionary who who believed the doctrines of grace like we do. And he died. And when he died, he said, it's not death to die. I'm going home to be with the Lord. That's the first day of really living. Oh, it's wonderful. Jesus Christ is the firstborn from the dead. He is the resurrection and the life. Turn, if you would, to John chapter 11. John chapter 11. He's the first to raise from, rise from the dead to immortality in life. And as our resurrected head, He is the assurance of the resurrection of the just. The assurance of the resurrection for His people. Look at John chapter 11, verses 25 to 27. Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. Now look at the verbiage there. I am. This is certain. He that believeth in me, though he were though he were dead, yet shall he live. There's only life in Christ, nowhere else. These folks who who um, preach justification by death were were a person who's hated God their whole life and dies and all of a sudden they're preaching him into heaven is a lie. It's an absolute lie. There's no such thing as justification by death. There's only justification through faith and that's in the Lord Jesus Christ and Him alone. He that believeth in Me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in Me shall never die. And we're die physically, but we'll never die eternally. Believest thou this? There's the question. Do you believe this? Believest thou this? And here's the answer of a believer. The reply of Martha is the reply of God's sheep. She saith unto him, Yea, Lord, I believe that thou art the Christ, the Son of God, which should come into the world. There's a cry of the believer. Yea, Lord, I believe that thou art the Christ. I didn't believe before, but you've made me willing. And I believe. And he said to his disciples in John fourteen nineteen, Because I live, ye shall live also. Oh, he's the head. We're the body. Death has no more power or claim on the Lord Jesus Christ. And look at the latter part of the verse. It says that in all things he might have the preeminence. Now we could spend about a hundred sermons just on this one word, preeminence. Think of this, beloved of God. Christ is to be first in our affections and in our thoughts and in our desires. He's to be the praise of our lips. He's to be the praise of... He's the one who makes our hearts burn within us. When we talk about Him, when we think about Him, and think of this, He is first in sonship. There's no son in the sense that He is. 
And He is first in election. He's first chosen and we are chosen in Him. In Him. He's first in covenant. He's the surety. He's the surety. He's the mediator. And He's the messenger. He's first in redemption. He wrought it. And He bought us. He bought salvation by His own precious blood. He's first in life as He quickens whomever He wills and whomever He pleases. Oh, He conquered death. He's risen. He's conquered a hell in the grave. He has the preeminence. He has the preeminence. And for us as believers, may God have the preeminence in our lives. And if Jesus Christ is the express image of God, which He is, which He is, then the One who loved us and gave Himself for us must have first place in our hearts and in our lives. He must be the preeminent One. We must not allow anything of this world to lure us away. To lure us away from our first love, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. The Lord Jesus Christ must dominate the way we think, the way we live, and the way we govern our lives. Now we're sinners. I know we're sinners. But oh, is Christ not altogether lovely to you? You who believe, is He not the rose of Sharon? Is He not the lily of the valley? Is He not the one that when we look out and we see the wondrous things that He's done, when we hear the, the beautiful sounds of the birds singing, is He not the first one we think of and give praise to? Oh, it wasn't like that before the Lord saved us. But oh, now we desire Him to have the preeminence in our lives. We desire this. And only, only those who have been enlightened by God, the Holy Spirit, acknowledge with our limited understanding, right? Because we have limited understanding of who God is. We, the only light we have is what He's revealed to us. And praise God for the light that He's given us. But, we, but only those who have been enlightened by the Holy Spirit of God, born again, understand the importance of making Christ preeminent. Think back before the Lord saved you. He wasn't preeminent. But now, oh, we seek to glorify Him. We seek to magnify Him in everything that we say and do. And God makes us known to every believer by His Spirit who dwells in us that, he must, that Christ must be preeminent. He must be the preeminent one. Remember this too. Jesus Christ is a revelation of God. And absolutely no one can know Him but by divine revelation. And this is why we pray, Oh God, oh, open up the eyes of the blind and give ear and ears to those who are deaf. We were there. This is why we pray that too. Because we know, we know exactly where people are. But oh, it can only be known by divine revelation. In all these wonderful truths of the Gospel, these truths concerning the Lord Jesus Christ, our Lord, remember that they were all purposed by God before time began. All purposed by God before time began. 
and they were executed by God in his appointed time. It shows again his preeminence. Folks are always trying to predict when the Lord comes back. Only God knows when he's coming back. Because <laughs> he's preeminent. He's the only one who knows that. Oh, but we're going to... What a, what a time that will be. What, what a day that will be. But remember that all things are executed by God in his appointed time and made mo- known to God's elect by divine revelation. Pray that God the Holy Spirit, when you read scripture, pray God the Holy Spirit will give you wisdom. Illuminate the scriptures. The old timers used to call, they pray that all oh, God illuminate the scriptures that I might know thee, that I might know thee more. Oh, he's a revelation. He must be revealed to us by divine revelation. Jesus Christ, the God-man. And in, and in the believer's life, after he's been revealed to us, all we want to do is give him the preeminence. That's all we want to do. The preacher doesn't want the preeminence. The teacher doesn't want the preeminence. The saint of God doesn't want the preeminence. He wants it all to go to Christ. Or he or she, they want it all to go to Christ. He gets all the glory. He gets all the glory. That in, the, that, that in all things, he might have the preeminence. And we say, praise his mighty name.